Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock. Along with me, Kyle Davis. We are revved up and ready to go here for a new season of the podcast. And uh, can't wait to get started, really, KD. This is uh, episode number one that we're putting in the books here. And a ton of stuff has happened in the offseason. So we've got a couple of weeks here, really, I think, to go over as much stuff as we can. Uh, we're probably going to miss some stuff here, let's be honest. But we're going to try to cover it as much as possible. But uh, first of all, glad to have you back, KD. Are you excited about this uh, season number two here? Yeah, very excited. It's like, uh, you know, coming off your rookie year, going into training camp, the second year around, you just feel a little better about where, where your game is at. And I, I think we can, uh, you know, build on what we did last year. No worries of a sophomore jinx. No worries of a sophomore's <laughs> jinx. All right, well, that's good. Um so we're going to have a couple of guests on the show. Jamie Dowick, uh, Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager, will stop by. Matt Sawyer, the head coach of the club, will stop by. And more than likely, we will have Brad Cree uh, will stop by here as well uh, today at some point on the program. So um, lots to get to. Uh, what's going on right now? Well, we are just a couple of weeks away from the Toronto Rock season getting underway and, of course, the entire NLL season. Uh, I guess technically less than two weeks as the Rock will play their first game on the road next Friday night in Buffalo. Um, we've gone through training camp here, so maybe let's dive into the roster a little bit. We'll also do this, of course, with all the gentlemen that are stopping by with us uh, here today. But uh, a training camp that uh, I think had a lot of openings for the Toronto Rock in terms of there's a few guys banged up on the back end, a couple of retirements to factor in. Uh, with Rob Marshall and Jeff Gilbert stepping away. Jeff Gilbert just recently announcing his retirement last week. And then you also have Jesse Gamble, who decides to take a year off. And you've got Challen Rogers, who's coming back from shoulder surgery. So definitely some openings to consider in, uh, you know, in Toronto Rockland. The only rookie that ends up making the active roster, however, is Drew Belgrave, a draft pick of the Toronto Rock uh, in 2017. The team's... Uh, second round pick along with Zach Masson who was also a second round pick uh by the Rock but um not a lot of change obviously on the active roster while you consider that with the group as a larger whole I guess you could say there was some significant change this year yeah for sure no doubt well you you know we lose Casey on the right side obviously big loss to the team what he you know what he's brought in his his time here but you slide Robbie in you, you make the acquisition for Jones on the left side. That's some new blood there. You mentioned, you know, Drew cracking the, the active roster, and I think that's just a, a product of, you mentioned, you know, Challen out, a couple D guys slide out to retirement, and he uh, came in, I guess, at the, you could say, the right time for his for his liking in terms of a couple spots being opened, opened, opened sorry, to start the year. And, uh, you know, obviously he's had a good camp and uh, showing that he can, uh, he can play up there. And, uh, you know, the, the coaching staff in the brass feel comfortable having him on the active currently. Yeah, and, you know, when you shift gears slightly here to talk about the practice roster and the comfort level there too, I think, um, you know, as we'll hear more from uh, Matt and Jamie here uh, during the show, uh, I think there's a pretty high confidence level too in those guys, especially a guy like Brandon Slade who – these guys get a lot of exposure to in the summer playing for the Oakville Rock and being an Orangeville guy. Uh, obviously, a lot of the staff has had some exposure to him over the years as well. Has been a standout at the Canadian University field across level with uh, the Brock Badgers, one of the um, best players, I guess you could say, in the program's history there in terms of scoring. Um, he's a guy that I, I thought he had a very good chance to make the active roster here, and part of that was because in talking to Rock head coach Matt Sawyer throughout preseason, you kind of looked at things like, you know, Jesse Gamble is a pretty major subtraction. And I know Matt talked to me a little bit about, you know, Gamble got a lot of defensive loose balls. He was a guy who was, um, you know, very obviously very good at getting loose balls in the defensive end. And where was the replacement for that going to come from? And he thought, you know, going through camp, maybe Brandon Slade was that type of guy. And not a real flashy game, so to speak, but a hard worker and a guy who could maybe replace a little bit of what was lost with Jesse Gamble. So I still think, um, you know, knowing that, and we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit more with Matty, but just the fact that he could be a guy that gets a shot to slide in somewhere, um, regardless almost of Challen Rogers coming back and maybe that being the, 
you know, from the outside, maybe the easy swap that Drew Belgrave then goes to the practice roster, Challen Rogers to the active, because, you know, all signs point to Challen possibly being back as ready, or sorry, back and ready as early as the end of the month. For sure. Well, it, it's a good decision to have, or, or you know, a good problem to have, I guess, when you have a guy like Slade. I played with Slade at Brock for a couple of years, and, and from what I can say from knowing him, he is tenacious on the ball, as you, as you say, can be a loose ball guy. I know uh, in that, you know, the field lacrosse is more offensive and he'll be playing more of a defensive role here. But uh, passionate about lacrosse, loves lacrosse, gives everything he has into lacrosse. And since, you know, year one at university with him, he's bulked up quite a bit. He's not the skinny little first year that I remember him as anymore. <laughs> but uh, that's good for him and excited that he's on on the team. And, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with what you said there. I don't see him, uh, you know, disappointing if he does get an opportunity in hard work and, uh, and grabbing those loose balls. And, you know, that is a specific role that, uh, you know, is needed. Not everyone can go in and be relied upon uh, defensively or in the defensive end and, you know, just be a, a ball getter in a way and, and help uh, create the transition or grab possession back for the team. And when the, with the offense, I think, as set and as deep as it is right now, you still, I think everybody keeps going back to the D because, you know, maybe there's one or two spots there, obviously maybe one active spot as we stand today that's maybe a little bit in flux. But, you know, you've still got Adam Jay and Daryl Robertson on the practice roster. And then as far as the draft list goes, you've got Zach Masson, back-to-back defender, junior A defender of the year, playing hockey at the NCAA level at uh, Alaska Anchorage. And then you've got uh, Josh Jubinville and Alec Tullett, who are also on the draft list. Two more D guys. So there's a lot of D guys here floating around, and you're hoping one or two of these guys ends up sliding into a spot. But, um, you know, that right now seems to be perhaps I guess maybe the greatest area of discussion right now with this team is who are going to be those guys who are going to emerge in future years. I mean, you know, Sandy Chapman, Brody Merrill, these are two guys that are getting a little bit older. Um, I just think it's it could be an interesting game of musical chairs here as we go along the season. For sure. I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing. Um, I mean, we've noted here last year many times, I think Maddie and Jamie would echo the same thing, that defense – you know, does win championships as much as the offense is needed to, to come up big at uh, critical times. But like you said, if you have an abundance of, of players and hit on one or two of them, I mean, that that's great. Because every, every year, we saw this year too, a couple guys are going to slide out, a couple injuries are going to happen, and you're going to need guys to slide in and be ready and emerge. And, uh, you know, if, if an injury does happen, it might not be that they get to take their time and kind of get developed. They might get thrown right into the fire quickly. And it's just uh, to see how they respond is going to be interesting. And to talk more about the offensive depth, again, to change gears on you, um, you had Casey Behrens, like you mentioned, retire in the offseason, so there's a subtraction. You have Mikey McDonald uh, released after training camp, so there's another subtraction from last year's team. You have Turner Evans, who ends up with a knee injury. That's another subtraction now to start the season, but you add back in Adam Jones. You add in Rob Hellier this year. You add in, uh, you know, read. Well, I guess not necessarily add in, but I think you now write in ink, read Reinhold's name into this roster, and you have Phil Caputo, who is transitioning from an offensive role to a defensive role. But you know, should some of these D guys develop, now you've got the opportunity to maybe move Caputo back up to the front, and then you've got a real wealth of depth and. You know, maybe a trade has to happen at some point um, because you might just have too many guys up front. But again, like we're kind of, you know, alluding to here so far is that this depth, quote unquote, problem is a great problem to have. And I think also, as we saw in training camp, Riley Hutchcraft, although very limited action, obviously, in preseason games as Nick Rose and Brandon Miller are pretty well cemented as the one two, um, obviously, with this team. But you know, here's a kid who's 20 years old, still has some junior experience left. And again, it looks like, you know, a, a possible succession plan there could also be in place. For sure. No, it's great for the organization kind of where they're at. And I mean, individually, some of these spots that, you know, on offense, we mentioned, there's probably guys that could step into to other teams' rosters and be 
higher up on the depth chart and be you know impact players for them but uh you know it's a product of where the where the team is at and kudos to to the brass for you know drafting trading developing uh you know such players here and you know, with the additions in, obviously no disrespect to the players that did come out. Um, you know, Kate, you mentioned Casey, Mikey, Turner, obviously injured, but you, you throw in a couple elite, elite offensive weapons in Hellier and Jones, especially there. And, uh, you know, I think that's uh, that's going to be a big boost for the offense. And the offense, you know, they, they were all right last year as well. You know, they still had still had some great games up front, uh, but you, you throw in a couple more guys and you can see in the preseason just the chemistry, the one game they played, you know, Hellier and Schreiber seemed to be connecting a bit as the game went on and Jones and Hellier, you know, familiar with each other up north and I, I think they're going to, you know, get along great. I think it's going to be a, an exciting, fun offense to watch nonetheless. All right, so there's our uh, kind of soft breakdown so far just to get things started of the roster, but uh, we do have to get rolling with our guests here in studio as well um we'll kind of tease what we're going to be talking about later in the show after we're done with our guests but uh, of course the aisle indoor top 50 list is is coming out as we speak i think we're down to number 13 as we're recording this uh a little bit of discussion maybe we'll say as we get uh later on in the show it should be fun uh and of course we'll also do uh a little buying and selling here later on in the show as well so stay with us that's all coming up here on toronto rock total access welcome back to toronto rock total access mike hancock and kyle davis bringing you all the action here on the program and right now Speaking of bringing you all the action, we welcome into the studio Brad Cree. Brad, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Not bad. Uh, so we are only a week and a bit away from uh, this thing all getting underway, but let's uh, chat a little bit about training camp and uh, everything it has to offer at the NLL level. Uh, just your thoughts on your training camp individually and uh, how you think the team has progressed here over the last month. Uh, personally, I think I uh, had a good training camp. I uh, came into shape uh, a little better than last year. Um, intensity was high, like always is. A um, couple new faces in the lineup, so that was uh, pretty exciting to see. But you know, all in all, uh, a good camp for, for the Rock, that's for sure. Brad, uh, with the season quickly approaching here, I mean, my, myself, I only, I'll be honest, only saw the final exhibition game there. Uh, I know last year we spoke a couple times um, throughout the season. There was a stretch there where the team seemed to kind of get off to a rough start in, in games, particularly out west in, in Vancouver. And the game I noticed here, it was a little sluggish to start, uh, you know, offensively pick it up in the back half, though. Um, how, how do you, as a team, you know, try to address that and, and nip that right in the butt right from the start? As, a, you know, short season in lacrosse, we know how important every week is, every game is. Well, it starts individually for sure. I mean, it's on us as the players itself. Um, just kind of fundamentally, well, fundamentally being sound, and um, you know, the coaches. You know, we are we trust the coaches uh, 100% to get us ready. Uh, Brucey's uh, done a real good job in the back end, and Maddie and Blainer. Um, so you know, just just the little things. You know, making sure uh, you know we're studying game film, we're in shape, and. Uh, you know, like Maddie said, I mean, game one to us kind of already started last week, so um, just basically being being ready for uh, for the beginning of the season. And going into Buffalo, looking ahead next week, I mean, for me, just thinking about it, there's no better you know place to start than in a hostile environment like that against your rival. You know, short bus ride down, uh, really get uh, you know the feel for the season, get into a heater of a matchup right off the bat, to say the least. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always a good time playing in Buffalo. Um, yeah, it's the, it's the exciting games because uh, you know you never you never know what to expect. Uh, game one uh, in this in this league, so there's a lot of new faces on each side of the teams, and uh, I know that uh, emotions will be running high, especially in Vandaland, That's for sure. How are you, <clears throat> excuse me? How are you starting to feel here personally? Um, just you know, a few years back here in Toronto now, and. You start to see some guys starting to retire around you, especially on the defensive side of the ball here. And while there are some other guys in a similar age bracket to you, you know, you're starting to be one of those guys who's actually got 
a lot of experience on the back end compared to some of the other guys now. Are you starting to feel like you're a bit more established, not only in your NLL career, but also as perhaps becoming a bit of a leader now on the defensive side here in Toronto? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the last two years, I think uh, it's definitely transitioned a lot for me. Um, it's funny to see that uh, kind of my first three years in the league, it was kind of, you know, seemed like it was more of the older guys uh, with the Rock. Um, but, it, you know, it's tough to see, you know, guys go like, you know, Gilby and and all the, uh, the older guys there that were, you know, I looked up to a lot. And um, but at the same time, there's uh, there's a lot of youth now on our team, and it's uh, you know we're kind of establishing ourselves to be a fast transition team. So I mean, there's it, it's kind of bittersweet, but um, you know I'm happy that I started uh, playing the time I did and had to uh, you know good mentors uh, to look up to like those guys. Do you also feel a little more? flexibility in terms of the musical playlist in the dressing room now that there are some older guys going because I say the post-game music selection after Saturday night's exhibition win I can say would have never been played even three years ago in that dressing room and it seems like perhaps things have changed in that regard as well yeah it's funny to funny to see kind of you look over and uh, you just kind of hear this song being played and you look over at Chappie and he's just kind of <laughs> looking into space wondering what music's coming out of the, uh, the speaker but um, I think it's more new to the uh, the older guys still on our team rather than me um, but there's still some time for the hip that's for sure and we still kind of have a mixture of, of uh, the older and, and new hip music Speaking of music your uh, roommate we'll call him, Challen Rogers I know him, um, yeah housemate he made waves on social media a couple of months ago with his uh, Beyonce dance routine that he seemed to have pulled off in the dressing room uh, you ain't seen nothing well this is what I'm kind of getting at here is this something that's kind of regular with him is, and like you're saying I guess there is more to come but you know is this something you think if we were to have you know a lip sync battle dance off amongst some guys and perhaps put together a social media segment. I don't want you to necessarily feel like you have to go on record here, but do you think there would be some participation perhaps beyond a guy like Challen? Uh, we've got some dancers in the house. Uh, like Challen always says, <laughs> dancers dance. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <sighs> Are you one to perhaps be willing and or interested maybe just in pencil right now on the list we're not going to write it in pen but maybe you know possibly as a guy who might participate in something like that it's hard to say without knowing for sure oh <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> i guess anything is hard to know with not knowing for sure yeah, yeah i don't know uh, I'll, I'll be on the maybe list for now all How right about that okay all right were you impressed with anything challenge was able to put out there He's good. He's got some. He's got some move. That's for sure. Yeah, he's definitely just got a lot of practice. So I mean, any any time there's music on, he's he's bouncing around. That's for sure. He's ready to go. Yeah. Now, is single ladies like his go-to? Like it seems like I've seen this pop up a few no. times. No. No. He's he's better than that. Really. He's better than that. That was just a small clip. <laughs> it's just a small clip. All right. Well, rock fans, you should be very very excited at what's to come. Uh, coming here down the pipe this season uh bradley we'll, we'll leave it at that here for today uh we're close to the season starting we know uh, it's practice night and everybody's got to get ready so uh we will dive deeper into all of this though as the season goes along here on toronto rock total access so thanks for joining us here on the program today and we'll uh we'll do this again very soon thanks for having me all right that's brad Cree, defender with toronto rock we'll take a short break here on toronto rock total access and be back with more in a moment Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We now welcome into studio the owner, president, and general manager of the Toronto Rock, Jamie Dowick. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. We're uh, off to a roaring start here in uh, episode number one of the podcast this year. Glad to be back doing it. Uh, We are only 
a week and a few days away here from getting underway. Can you believe the season is this close? No, actually, to be honest with you, it hasn't really hit yet. I mean, tonight we have our uh, last training camp session. Obviously, our team was submitted a few days ago. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is close, and, and we're playing for keeps soon, so uh, exciting. I feel like around here uh, yesterday afternoon, I turned to a colleague and said, hey, we actually play next Friday. Like, <laughs> in Buffalo, divisional game, like, we are right into this. Like, there is no dipping your toe in the water here. We're right into this in Bandit Land next Friday, and um, there's going to be some guys that are going to be thrown right into this, and I think right off the top, we want to talk about the new guy on the roster, and that's Drew Belgrave. He's the only uh, new face, so to speak, without NLL experience on the Toronto Rock roster, so uh, why don't you take us through uh, just training camp and how the road led to uh, Drew Belgrave being the guy who you know ends up being the only rookie to make the roster this year. Yeah, well, I mean, um, you know, training camp's gone real well. Um, you know, as far as we we were, we we've had some few guys uh, retire, and, and you know, Jesse's had to walk away for a year anyway um, for work related things. So, you know, we had we had an opening or two on on the back end. Um, you know, we, we've been experimenting with uh, Phil Caputo in one of those roles because we're kind of trying to find a spot for him to, to get him on the floor. And, and he's done a pretty good job, and he he's, looks like he's uh, seized one of those spots for the time being anyways. And, and, you know, so that left one more spot kind of open while we're waiting for Challen to return, um, which, you know, should be early in the season as well. So... Drew was a kid uh, that we moved up in the, in the draft to get. Um, we liked him. Our guys liked him, and, and we thought he would be he, he could turn into someone that would fit our system and our style of play and all that very well. And and I think Drew's coming in here and done a good job. And I think he you know he obviously earned that spot. And um, you know he pro, he he progressed as camp went along. And I and I think you saw that in the exhibition games and. And, uh, you know, he, he brings some youth, some speed, some energy, you know, enthusiasm. And, and you know, he, he he's there. So, uh, you know, he's surrounded by a lot of veteran guys that we're going to need to, you know, do their part. And, you know, it's not easy coming in this league. and But we'll, we'll expect big things out of him or, or whoever else may be in the lineup, you know, down the road. Now you touched on uh, some of those departures, retirements uh, with Jeff Gilbert, Rob Marshall, uh, both retiring and Jesse Gamble, uh, you know, taking a year sabbatical here. Um, how do you think this team is positioned, I guess, going forward defensively? A lot of other, as we've talked about kind of off the top of the show here, you've got, uh, you know, a few guys on the draft list that are all defenders. You've got three practice roster D guys, and you've got a rookie in the lineup. So still possibly some musical chairs here to, to play out as the season goes. And as you mentioned, Challen Rogers, uh, you know, still out with an injury and hopefully back by the end of December here. But um, how do you think this team is kind of positioned defensively going forward here long term? Well, I mean, I, I think we're in pretty good shape. I mean, we're, we're, we're uh, excuse me, we're returning eight of ten starters basically. Um, Jesse and Gilbert were the two regular starters that aren't back, and and as I said, you know, for the time being, Phil and, and Drew are in there. Um, you know, we do have three def young defenders on our practice roster, and. You know, practice roster, regular roster, just like I tell them, and it's not lip service. I mean, you know, they're all part of the team. We decided to go eight forwards and 10 D on our active roster. So, um, you know, the next man up on our defense is currently on the practice roster, and there's three of them there. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's an opportunity, um, you know, but I, I feel pretty good about that. I mean, you know, we, we firmly believe that in order for us to get to where we want to be, it's going to start with good goaltending, good defense, and go from there. So, uh, you know, I'm optimistic that, uh, you know, we've had our moments in the preseason where we've looked really good, and then we've had some moments where we haven't looked so good. So, I mean, hopefully that's what the preseason's for, and 
And like you said, we got about 10 days to find out as we start playing for keeps in, in Banditland. So um, I, I'm excited about it. I, I think they'll I think they'll be ready to go. And just maybe quickly offensively, uh, obviously this team looks absolutely stacked on paper with the addition of Adam Jones, the return of Rob Hellier, and just some other guys up front having a little more experience going into year two, namely Tom Schreiber and Karen McArdle. Um, has this team performed as well offensively in preseason as you had thought they would? Yeah, I mean, they haven't fully um, played together and played together a full game in preseason. Um, you know, we had everyone in last game. Tommy didn't play for us in the last one. Um, just wanted to get everyone in there otherwise. But, um, you know, I think at times they've been unbelievable and they've showed what they're capable of. Um, you know, we had a drought or two in, in, in the preseason, which seems to be a common theme from years past and, and you know, something we need to address and, and find out why that's happening. And, and um, but yeah, I mean, I, there's, there's been some goals here in the preseason that where they really show you uh, what they're capable of. And if, if they all play together and play unselfish and, and let, you know, the ball do the work, they could be a pretty scary group, I think. Yeah, that fourth quarter on Saturday night against New England was, uh, you know, 7-1 in favor of the Rock and uh, pretty fun to watch. You mentioned, you know, playing unselfish and all the the potent or, or how potent the offense could be. How do, how do you, I guess, get the message across or draw the line that there is only one ball and, you know, obviously everyone out there wants it in their stick and, you know, some big shooters and some big playmakers. It's tough to kind of maybe take a step back and realize for the better of the team, you know, maybe I don't get this ball as much tonight. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't think that's going to be a problem. Like, to me, that's, that's a lot about – the players you bring in here and their style and and stuff like that so you know let's start it starts with Robbie and you know Robbie can score with the best of them I mean you see that goal he ripped in the top corner the other night I mean just unbelievable but Robbie's also an unbelievable you know passer and and Robbie Robbie's been through it with us where there's times where you know maybe we'd we we were more successful with a lesser talent pool because we move the ball and, and these guys have seen that and you know I, I think it's the players that we have here so Steph's been a part of that he understands that situation uh, you know Hickey's been around for a few years you know Schreiber I mean there's no selfishness in his game um, you know and then you know you bring in Jonesy who I think the big over, underrated part of Jonesy's game is He's a heck of a playmaker too, and yeah, he can score. But you know, you'll see you'll see that left to right chemistry. I saw, I saw some stuff with Robbie and and other guys in the preseason, and so you, they've got to they've got to you you can't convince them. They've got to believe it and buy in. And like I said, I think that starts kind of before you bring them in here, and the type of player and character of, of a person that we're looking for. Um, you know, and, and I've seen it, um, I think eight years now, I've seen it with teams and all those teams that around here that where the ball's been, where it's been very unselfish lacrosse, those are, co no, no coincidence that those are the three or four, the better three or four of the, you know, compared to the other ones um, as ter in terms of offense. So um, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And now uh, looking ahead to next Friday, I was mentioning earlier on the show, I mean, in my opinion, you know, going back, like as a, from a player mentality, there'd be no better place that I think I'd want to start the season off than in a division rival at Bandit Land and to really get the juices flowing and, you know, geared up for what's to come later on. What's your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's probably, you know, love to do it at home and this and that, but if it's not going to be in front of our home fans in the ACC, I mean, where would you rather start a season if you're going to go get a, you know, get get the juices flowing, get fired up? No better place to get a win than than Banditland, and yeah, our our biggest rival, um, you know, a team coming off a disappointing year as far as the record goes. I think we split with them last year, two and two, and who cares about the records whenever we play them you know you're going to get a game 
you know something's something's going down and and they'll be hungry and and they're going to want to get off to a much you know they got off to a tough start last year like we did the year before and and they saw how tough it is to come back from that it, you dig yourself a hole so um you know what wins in week one are worth the same as wins in week 18 so uh you know and we've stressed that through camp here and and like i said i think you know we'll be ready to go but yeah it'll be i imagine bandit land will be uh bumping on uh <laughs> next friday so to talk a little off the floor here and uh you know i guess to put on a different hat what how are you dealing with you know we, we we've made reference here to the season starting earlier but as a whole from the nll side of it and, and from the business side of it and, and all that um what do you think the impact is going to be here of the season starting earlier now that you know we're right up against it well i'm excited about it i think i think it's a good thing um you know i don't see why we had to wait till the new year really the whole idea there's a lot of misconception about why this season moved up and and really one of the big the main reason was you know a lot of us are are have our dates dictated by arena availability and if the season were to move up let's say a month like it has you know it gives me who's trying to find nine dates you know a better chance to space those dates out in the past there's a lot of the years it seems like we have four or five home games in a row because that's what we get from the building because obviously the Leafs and the Raptors, all these other things dictate that. So you've got a five-month season where you play nine home games and you play five of them in a five-week span and then you have four over the span of three or four months. It's not good from a business standpoint. It's not good for your fans. Just, you know, there's so many things. So from that, for us this year, it actually... You know, luckily has worked. I think our schedules is as good as it's been for since I've owned the team. As far as from a fan standpoint, um, you know, gives us an opportunity to hopefully increase our attendance by not playing week after week and five weeks in a row type of deal. And I think it's good for the players. So, uh, you know, and, and and maybe next year, you know, it, it just worked this year with the dates we got by doing it. Um, but I'm pretty excited about it. I'm happy, and let's go. I love the idea of some lacrosse going on over Christmas and the holidays. And, um, you know, I know we're tracking pretty good, I think, for our December 30th game uh, against Buffalo over the holidays. So a great opportunity for people to come out when they might have some time off work and, and check it out early in this season. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I, I personally think it's phenomenal. And I, I think another thing, like you mentioned, the four or five home games in a row, a lot of years there was also a road game thrown in there where you were in the position where you were playing a back-to-back, and those back-to-backs have been eliminated. you know. And I just think, you know, to be a fan, I think it's almost going to be easier as well, like you're kind of saying. So um, I think we'll wrap it up here and uh, know that we'll be uh, visiting frequently throughout the season. And uh, Jamie? Good luck. Enjoy practice tonight. And, uh, yeah, we got about 10 days to go here. Let's go. All right. That was Jamie Dowick, owner, president, and general manager of the Toronto Rock. We'll take another short break, and we'll be back with more Toronto Rock Total Access. I speaking about bowling, bowling, just thinking about brawling till y'all start bowling. We all in together now. Birds of a feather now. Just for the play. Welcome back so to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock so and Kyle Davis. We are here to welcome in Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer. Matty, how are you doing? Good, Mike. Um, good to be here. All right. Well, uh, we can jump right into things. We kind of talked uh, a little bit with Jamie about this, too, just about how close the season is. It's, you know, a week and a half away approximately until, uh, you know, the Rock hit the turf in Buffalo to take on the Bandits. Um, we'll rewind, I guess, here and start to talk a little bit about training camp and just how things have gone in your mind. But, um, you know, maybe just some uh, general thoughts to start things off here on uh, how the team has progressed over the month-long training camp. Well, we're, um, you know, we're happy with what we've, uh, what, what we've seen and, and uh, we've had a competitive uh, camp and, um, you know, we spent a lot of time uh, out there trying to identify players that are going to be able to help us this year and, and we're anxious to get going and, um, you know, we're, we like where we're at right now, but, uh, 
Um, you know, it's an exciting time right now and also an anxious time. You want to uh, want to get to the season and get the season rolling and, and um, you know, see where you stand. I'm sure every team's in the same boat. Now, uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the new guys here. And uh, when I say new guys, I'm more focused on guys without any NLL experience. We kind of talked to Jamie already a little bit about Drew Belgrave. But uh, earlier in the show, I kind of brought up a bit of a conversation that we had had um, about Brandon Slade and you thought that uh, you know possibly he could be a guy to slide in and, and gobble up some of those loose balls that Jesse Gamble used to get for you. Um, how do you see Brandon Slade possibly fitting into this team as the season goes along knowing that you know there is some depth there on defense but there is also going to be a time where you're probably going to have to plug certain guys into certain holes here as we go. Yeah, well, uh, you know, right now, um, you know, Brandon's made our team, and, and um, we have him on our uh, practice roster. Um, you know, from a coaching standpoint, um, you know, we look at everybody. Uh, we know that we're going to have to rely on those guys on the practice roster, and Brandon's someone that uh, we know well, and, and um, you know, been around him uh, last couple of summers in Oakville, and, um, you know, to, to compare him to a Jesse Gamble, that's uh, quite a comparison for anybody, but, um, you know, he... Um, I guess his uh, his game and his skill set is a little bit similar, but uh, um, you know Jesse's a uh, a veteran of this league and and a very valuable uh, uh, player for us and somebody that we're gonna miss. So to ask any one guy to slide in there and and pick up the slack for him uh, would be unfair. It's gonna be a uh, uh, something that we're going to have to do as a defensive unit and and it is um, you know the the game goes quick and and we like to push the ball and and it's tough to do that without the ball and and we uh, hope Brandon along with uh, uh, Drew and Adam and and um, you know if they were to get their opportunity Daryl as well um, that they could all come in and contribute but uh, uh, Brandon's a nice story he's somebody that's um, you know he's got to this point based on um, on the effort that he's put in and, and working at his game and I'm not sure if anybody who uh, watched him say five years ago in junior uh, would have projected this. So he's uh, he's had a nice run. He's um, you know been a great player in the Kufla for uh, for Brock University, and and he's been a good contributor for us uh, last two summers with the Oakville Rock. So we're hoping that uh, that rolls into this winter should he get an opportunity. I know the preseason games don't mean anything stats-wise or, or in the standings, but they do hold a, a high regard in terms of finding out what you got and you know implementing systems and whatnot. What uh, through the training camp have you have you liked from from your team so far, and what's a, maybe an area that you you want to tighten up a bit heading into next Friday in Buffalo? Well, we certainly have things to to work on, um, uh, you know, and I'm sure everybody does at this point of the season. Uh, you know, we uh, we continue to work on both our offense and defense, and um, you know, if I'm being honest, um, uh, save for the last uh, last half of the uh, third exhibition game, uh, um, you know, we'd like to shore up some things on our back end, but uh, uh, that goes along with our offense. Um, you know, we've put up some uh, some good numbers, but we haven't really done a good job of uh, limiting other teams' transition and putting our defense, um, you know, in a position uh, consistently where they're able to go out there and face uh, offense. Is uh, uh, five men up um, and not chasing off the bench. So uh, there's two areas. If you want to talk about, you know, defensively, we just want to shore up our uh, five-on-five defense, and and offensively, while we feel we're going to be strong and and have the potential to put a few more goals on the board, um, you know, that doesn't matter if we're not uh, um, making it tough on the other team uh, as far as uh, being responsible in uh, transition defense. And you mentioned shore up the uh, the defense, and you, you know, you lose some pretty big. You know Jeff Gilbert, big presence back there. Gamble, we know about that situation. Even the presence of Marshall. Uh, moving forward to this year, does that put more pressure on you know guys like Chappie Merrill for to kind of shoulder that that load in terms of like calming influence, or you look for guys like you know Brad Brad, Brad Cree, sorry, or Billy, or guys that are just coming up into that prime age to kind of take some off? Yeah, there's um, no doubt about it. You can add Patrick Merrill to that list of. Um of the guys that yep. were missing um, this year from, from last and uh, uh, they were all certainly contributors at different points in the season so um, you know it's going to be a work in progress anytime you lose that uh, um, the quality of players and, and the number back there now having said that we're uh, quite confident in the guys we got and and um, you know that uh, our expectation is that we're better this year defensively than last and uh, and we were pretty strong last year but um, Ultimately, we, uh, we weren't good enough in all areas, and, and that's what you're always striving to do is to get better. 
you talked about uh, you know who is it on to pick up the slack um, again I'll give you the coach's answer it's not on anyone uh, individually uh, but as a unit we uh, um, you know we have to pick up the uh, pick up the slack for the guys that uh, that are missing having said that um, you mentioned a couple of, uh, of players and uh, um, you know our expectation is that uh, um, while Chappie and Brody they're uh, they're great um, players for us and veteran uh, players and, and they are leaders on the back end um, you know it's up to the to the rest of them and and, and all of us to get better um, you know in our game and, and, and in areas and uh, one player you mentioned was Brad Cree and and um, you know Brad's had, had an outstanding summer for us and that's carried over into the uh, into the um, training camp and, and on the eve of the season here so we have big expectations for Brad and and um, you know Challen when he gets back we're anxious to see him back on the floor and and he's been out there um, I guess in light duty in practice and he'll get cleared here uh, middle of December so um, you know there's a couple and, and uh, Latrell Harris the uh, um, you know the rookie season that he had was was outstanding and um, you know believe it or not uh, Latrell is going to keep getting better and better and, and we've seen that uh, already at times he's uh, a man amongst the boys even though he's one of the boys so um, there's three that uh, that we've put a lot of responsibility on and and uh, on their shoulders and we expect them to uh, to get better game in and game out but um, you know, I could go down the list. You got Damon Edwards there, Billy Holstrasser, yeah. and, and on and on. When you look at things uh, on the offensive side, we kind of talked a little bit about this with Jamie about on paper. Things look stacked, but that can also create uh, some difficult decisions to make as a coach. And with eight offensive guys on the active roster, um, if we're doing some simple math, likely uh, the scratch off the active roster each night will be an O guy. What's going to determine uh, kind of if you're going – Four rights or four lefts on any given night here. Yeah, well, you'd be accurate there. Uh, <laughs> you know, we we got eight up front, and um, and uh, you know we're gonna uh, we're gonna play seven and ten. So uh, we're comfortable with uh, with the guys that we have up front there. And um, again, a little bit of a work in, in progress. Um, you know, really the eight of them have, have had about four quarters here to to work together, but. Uh, as far as the uh, four lefts or four rights goes, um, you know, a lot of time it'll be the team we're facing and, and the potential matchup, but uh, also a big believer in you want to get your seven best offensive players on the floor as much as you can. So, you know, we've, we've told both the left side and right side, uh, as far as offensive guys go, they would always like to be weak side, right? So that's... Um, um, meaning that you have uh, three rights or, or three lefts because you just get the majority of your shifts out there with uh, with only two on that side. We've told them both to be prepared to be a uh, strong left or strong right, and um, you know we just need to figure out a way to, to make it work out there. But we have um, we have some quality players up there. We we like the potential, but um, you know that doesn't get you much. You got to go out and and uh, um, see the results, and um, you know I'm sure it'll be something that we're working on throughout the season as far as building chemistry, and and uh, until that point, uh, we just need to find a way to get the job done. Now we've talked about uh, Adam Jones and Rob Hellier uh, injected into the list lineup this year. Rob Hellier, of course, returning. Adam Jones, uh, the new face, but a guy going into his second year in Tom Schreiber, uh, given you know. A better supporting cast this year overall. Um, what are you expecting from him in, in year two? I mean, is he going to have the same type of responsibilities he had last year without you know those two guys in the lineup, or is this something where his game may evolve a little bit? Even though it's probably always evolving, given that he's only played one year of uh, NLL lacrosse. Well, we have uh, we have real big expectations for Tom, and and um, you know, and he does for himself too. He's somebody who's driven, and and he wants to get uh, he wants to get better, and he wants to be the best, and and um, you know, he's already uh, uh, almost there. So um, he's looked great in training camp for us, and and uh, excited to see him perform out there with. Uh, um, you know, with the rest of our offense, and and um, as far as his role goes, uh, goes, um, you know, the expectations are going to be the same. That uh, you know, Tom is um, is a ball carrier for us, and and he's just such a threat uh, to break down a defense, and also he has great vision out on the floor. Now, having said that, there were times last year, just based on our personnel, that um, you know the. Um, I guess uh, the, the ball was in his stick a lot, and we have a few more options there as far as, um, if you want to call it, from shift to shift, the quarterback of the offense out there. And it's um, up to us as a coaching staff to 
make sure that they uh, work together and everybody gets those opportunities and, and we're maximizing uh, each other's uh, skill sets. So, um, you know, it's uh, you always want to have quality players and, and you're, um, you know, you want to get better in, in all areas and especially up front. But it's, um, you know, a big part of it is how they mesh together and, um, you know, how everybody out there uh, on the floor at any one time is, is willing to do everything. Your game can't be... Uh, um, can't be predictable and, and one-dimensional. You have to be able to uh, contribute in all areas, and, and that uh, that includes when the ball's not in your stick. You have to find a way to make uh, yourself or a teammate better by um, you know creating a scoring opportunity or limiting a, a transition opportunity the other way, whatever it might be. So, um, you know, I don't see his role changing very much. We're excited. To, uh, um, you know, we're excited to see where it goes because. Uh, um, you know, Tom's just, uh, he's just uh, starting here. He's only going to get better. Now, the other guy on offense I wanted to touch on quickly, uh, in some respects, has started to become maybe a little bit of a forgotten man, honestly, on offense, and that's Steph LeBlanc, who is now the cagey old veteran of the group at 31 years old and the, and the most NLL experience under his belt. Um, you know, what, uh, you know, what do you expect from him this season? Again, we talk about a better supporting cast, which I think can only help him. But, uh, you know, what are you expecting from him this season? Well, he's certainly not a forgotten man from our standpoint. I, 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 um, I think I know what you're, what you're getting at there. But, um, you know, maybe in the past and, and with our personnel, um, Steph's been uh, asked to uh, play a little bit of a different role. We're excited to... Uh, to have Adam on board on the left side, and, and we feel that um, you know just having another threat um, on that side is going to uh, help Steph over there. And and there was um, you know there was a time when when Steph LeBlanc was uh, one of the deadliest goal scorers in this league, and and um, you know that's our, our expectation of him. And, and I think with the uh, um, you know with having Adam over there, and, and also you're seeing Reed Reinholdt get better and better each and every time out with us, as well as Kieran McCardell. We got uh, four good lefties over there that we're comfortable with, and and we feel the makeup um, is going to allow us to put uh, each of those individuals in a position to succeed. And, and in Steph's case, um, you know, the challenge for him is to find the back of the net more often than he has, and um, you know, but ultimately that's the goal for every offensive uh, player. But Steph's been great for us. He's a, he's a leader for us. He's been somebody that's been a, around the Toronto Rock for a long time, and we have big expectations for him, and and um, anxious to see what this season holds and we haven't even talked about turner evans who maybe we'll leave shelf that for february or march when uh when we get around <laughs> get around to that which will be uh, a whole nother uh, pile of worms i guess to get into but uh kd you got anything else to fire away here i'm good i know they're gonna good. practice right. tonight here they're sure they want to get after it all right maddie well uh thanks a lot for joining us here on the program and uh we will chat again very soon Thank you. Look forward to it. All righty. Matt Sawyer, head coach of the Toronto Rock. We'll take a short break on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back in a moment. Back here on Toronto Rock Total Access to wrap things up. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis and KD. We've got uh, you know our regular buying and selling segment that we'll get to in a moment. But... Uh, First of all, we teased a little bit earlier in the show that we were going to talk about the IL Indoor uh, Top 50 list. And before we get into individuals, I'm just going to rhyme off who has been on the list so far for the Toronto Rocks. So um, coming in with an honorable mention was Latrell Harris, who did not make the Top 50. He just finished outside the Top 50. At number 41, we had Steph LeBlanc. At number 37, Nick Rose. At number 26, we had Brett Hickey, who is actually tied for 26 with Shane Jackson. At number 21, we had Adam Jones and Tom Schreiber in a tie uh, with each other, obviously. And at number 17, we have had Brody Merrill. So we have had no sign of Rob Hellier, which we do believe that he will not appear on the list at all because he didn't play in the NLL last year and he had limited duty this summer in uh, Ontario's Major Series Lacrosse. So I'm not sure where you want to start, but uh, one guy I kind of want to start with that we haven't talked too much about off-air is Brett Hickey because I kind of dove into this a little bit more and I I think Brett's been really good in preseason and, uh, you know, with so many weapons on that right side. I thought it was going to be interesting to see how he was going to fit in, but I think so far in preseason he has, he has 
done exceptionally well and produced results. So, um, but looking at his stats, I mean, he was 15th in the league with 77 points, tied for third with 45 goals. The two other guys he was tied with each played one more game, and the guy who finished in second place, Corey Small, of course, also played 18 games and only had one more goal. So, you know, you're looking at a guy who was arguably the number two goal scorer in the NLL last year on a per-average basis, we'll call it, and he comes in at number 26. Yeah, I mean, even if you took back his, you know, to the year he scored 50, to he, this guy's been a top goal-scoring producer in, the, like, money throughout uh, the last couple seasons. It's not just, like, last year was, you know, came out of nowhere. Like, it, he has been scary for defenses for the last couple of years. And, and when you break it down like that, I mean, 26 does maybe seem a bit far-fetched, right? Like, if n- number two, number three goal scorer in the league, like, for instance... I mean, this we've kind of discussed this a little bit, but correct me if I'm wrong too. These projections are supposed to be projected top fifty for the upcoming season, correct? Well, see, I think this is something we debate. We have talked about. I know yeah. is to try to figure out exactly what this represents, and I think it to me is more heavily weighted on, on what they've done in season. the previous year, and that's why some of these guys don't appear. But again, if that's the case, then Hickey at twenty six. Uh, I know we're not doing buying or selling yet, but I don't think I'm buying that. And and really, I think when, you know, goal scoring is, you know, at a, you know, premium, I think, in the league and with a guy who's been pretty consistent, um, you know, even, you know, topping 30 goals during, you know, an injury-riddled season a couple of years ago. But, you know, here's a guy who could very easily just snap off 45 to 50 goals again this year playing in this offense and... You know, again, if you're looking at the past, the future, whatever, there's clearly not 25 goal scorers better in the league. I know this takes into account uh, defenders, goaltenders, and whatever. And, you know, we're going to come across, obviously, very pro-Toronto Rock in all of this, but that's kind of what we're here to do as well. So, you know, I, I, I kind of disagree with where Hickey was. And when the list came out, I I don't think I really disagreed with it that much until I kind of looked a little bit closer as to how he stacked up today when I was getting ready to, you know, chat about this, obviously, with you on the show. Um, I kind of thought, you know what, I, I I, think he's probably top. I would have been a little more satisfied, I guess, with with things if he was probably top 15. To be honest with you, I feel like if, if he slides in at number 15, say... I'd say, you know what, I think maybe that's the right spot for Brad Hickey. Well, and consider, like, when looking at this, I think you mentioned top 15. I think 16, maybe even 15, was Dan Dawson. Same position, righty-o guy. And don't get me wrong, what Dan has done in lacrosse is, you know, very few and far between. He's got a great resume. He's, you know, represented Canada. He's won everything you can to win out there. But if we're going on last year, that's where the majority of this is heavily weighed. You mentioned Hickey, 40-something goals, high 70 points. If I recall, Dan was, you know, 20-something goals, 50-something points. Like, to me, that's, I don't, there's there's a 20-point difference, 20-goal difference right there. And, uh... To see that, that and you know, you slide Dan in at you know 15, 16, that range. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people and a lot of stuff going into this list, but uh, I, I agree with you. I think when you, when you break it down like that, it's it could could very well be flipped in a way, you know. And and again, like we said, the the, the island or list is, you know, it's tabulated the way they do it. it it is, it is what it is, and I think it's great because it does create conversation like we're having right now. Um, but I also think, you know, is it like, you know, is some of your entire career's body of work put into this where you sit there and you go, you know, does Brett Hickey have to do what he's done in the last three years? Does he have to do that for five or six or seven years before you go, okay, well, now he's in the top See, and I think that is legit. I think that is a legit point. You see that in sports all the time. Even management, who has to make hard decisions, you see in sports, not even just lacrosse, 
hang on to a guy a little bit too much because he's done this, say, you know, three years ago, two years ago, knowing, you know, and maybe blind to the decline that is, you know, coming in his game or, you know, is is going to be inevitable in a sooner in a shorter period of time than maybe expected. It's kind of like, I mean, I, you know, I know we're talking the cross here, but the LA Kings with Mike Richards, in a way, won them a couple cups and they seem to hang on to him a bit too long and the wheels fell off real quick. And I'm not saying that's happened for Dan, but I think that, you know, that whole body of work, it's, it's hard as fans, as writers, even as I'm saying, as coaching staff in brass to not, you know, get, let that slip into your head a little bit. Now, Another guy on the list. So we had Adam Jones and Tom Schreiber come in tied at number 21. And, you know, in some respects, the way some of the guys lay out, I mean, Adam Jones, to me, personally, and I know sometimes the word top 10 kind of, or the phrase top 10 probably gets thrown around maybe too loosely. And and sometimes you can say, hey, that's a top 10 guy. And then you go around the room and maybe you have 15, 16, 17 guys that you're like, oh, yeah, he's a top 10 guy. He's a top 10 guy. He's a top 10 guy. And you really should only have 10 guys in your top 10. But immediately when I hear Adam Jones, I always think, well, he's a top 10 guy in the league. But, you know, last year, I think in an environment and uh, in a situation that uh, just wasn't really in his wheelhouse, right? And I think probably something that was identified by – rush management as well that you know open things up to a trade this year but you know here's a guy that you know i think you know can be a 50 plus goal scorer here in toronto and and put up massive numbers possibly right and like like jamie has alluded to and like maddie sawyer has uh, alluded to as well in some post-game comments that you know his vision his ability to make other guys around him better was maybe kind of off the radar especially last year in Saskatchewan but that's something that he may bring here that we're not even ready for so Jonesy at 21 I can kind of buy it right now but next year I'll be surprised if he's not at least a top 10 12 maybe higher and just to go off off that I mean I don't want to be like bashing the list by any means it's it's good conversation don't get me wrong but if if they're going off last year where Jonesy was you know, by all means, you know, kind of the second guy to Mark Matthews out there in in the offense, in a way. You know, I think he had a good year, fifty something points, and I think maybe his whole body got tied, body of work maybe got tied in because Tom Schreiber, who tied with, almost doubled the points in a, in a way, right? So if we're going off yeah. last year, one guy's almost a hundred point guy, one guy's you know a sixty point guy, and they come in tied. And I know there's a lot more to it, but it's just you know it's just a point of conversation to see you know I w- I'd be curious to know how they got to that to that point I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Well, and the other wild card factor, which ties in nicely to Schreiber, I think, is that you know Adam Jones goes and wins a Man Cup this summer with the Peterborough Lakers, and and sure that's factored into it, but um, then you have a guy like Schreiber, well. You know, he doesn't play box across sure, the summer. Sure. What he does True. is go and lead the Ohio machine to a well, championship and win back-to-back MVPs in the field league. So, you know, this is an indoor list, so I can accept the fact that, you know what, that should not be weighed into the equation here. But to say to me that Tom Schreiber is not a top 10 indoor lacrosse player in this world on this planet is insane right now to say he's not in the top 10 like for him to be number 21 no punches pulled here i i think is crazy crazy because you know working in my role with rock you know the pr job all those kind of things you are trying to you know pitch stories and whatnot and and definitely you know, something that, you know, I'll be throwing out there to the local media for sure, and maybe some of you are listening, but, you know, Tom Schreiber is arguably, hands down, like, the best lacrosse player in the world right now. When you consider box and field. Yep. Who's better? No, for sure. He's a right? complete you, you got package. a guy who played one year of indoor, one year of box across, scored 94 points, and he's won back-to-back you know, MVPs in the field league. So who's better? Like, who's better? 
T- two things about the list now that we're just, I totally agree. I think I mean he's he's all world right now and he's 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 the bar and everyone else is trying to get there. I think in my opinion yeah. right now. But uh, two other things about the list that you know just topics of conversation kind of head scratchers for me was one the ties. I feel like because there's nothing <laughs> that could be like you know yeah, for, yeah. for instance you know we say Jonesy and Schreiber tied obviously great players. Is there nothing that we could have just slid one in at twenty two and one in at twenty one? <laughs> Right, like is it? Yeah. It wouldn't have been a slap in the face, I don't think, to either. Like it's just, and there was multiple ties throughout that, right? Second, if we're making an NLL list of top fifty players, and I know there's all around the cross. You're not if you're not counting the field, like I, you know, the field across, as you mentioned. Like, how much can the the summer ball weigh in if we're making a top fifty national lacrosse league list? I know it's still box across, but. There's guys that have flourished that flourish in summer ball. You know, they're top guys on their respective team back in their hometown that can't. You know, they're struggling to find a spot in an all roster. Um, you know, there's there's some games not everyone makes it to to a game, right? Some lineups can be with travel and work and other commitments. And it, you know, I just mean, I guess what I'm getting at is it's to me if we're making an NLL list, National Lacrosse League list having these outside I guess factors come into play I think can be a little skewed and saying you know someone put up you know 80 points for for Peterborough which which is very well right but Peterborough you know they, they played Brampton who wasn't too great no disrespect Coburg yep. who wasn't too great like some of the game I just think it's a little misleading in terms of how you could weigh in and that could affect a guy like Tom who just just because he doesn't play that is more it gets a little bit of a knock on him in a way well, yeah, and further to that, how do you weigh one against the other? Yeah. Which one drives a guy's value up? Because, you know, Phil Caputo had a great summer in Brampton. For sure. That's, and that's what right? I mean. Right, and no knock against Phil. We love him here. But, but he's now an old guy trying to play defense well, in the NLL. And in Brampton, right, because there's, there's – I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves here. There's less of a – he got more of an opportunity. He was more of a guy where here he's trying to find his way, right? It just shows the – I guess the depth and, and – you know, here in this league compared to the other league, and and I get it. You know, people go back to BC, they play in in the WLA. People stay in Ontario, they play in that league. I, I get that. It's just it feels to me as it should be national across the body of work based on last year or what you're expecting this year, opposed yeah. to bringing in you know like there's too many wild cards, too much wild cards and yeah. and, and going on and, and a lot of different factors and you know go home and play for wherever and you can have a you know one guy plays. All, you know, he's really dedicated to the summer league. He's there every night, has massive points. You know, some guy work and family and whatnot plays eight games, plays his minimum games to get in for the playoffs, has less points. Is that in that it's going to affect his ranking? And like, it's yeah. just going to be a lot of moving parts. So there you have it. There's kind of our take uh, so far on the Isle Indoor list. Obviously, still some more names. We hope there's not a tie at number one because <laughs> that would, I think, send everyone here who's been following along just absolutely sideways if that were to happen. But um, anyways, we're going to move along to our buying and selling segment here as we begin to wrap up the show. So if you're uh, new to the program, then uh, you would uh, not have heard this before. But basically, I'll throw a couple of ideas uh, out at KD, and he's going to tell me whether he's buying it or selling it. So let's get going. We've talked a lot about the Rock offensive depth, and Jamie Dowick mentioned stuff about uh, some stuff about guys being unselfish and how the team can flourish. And this got me to thinking about you know the 2005 Toronto Rock team, which really seems to be the benchmark as probably the you know arguably I know this might set off a firestorm here, but probably the best Toronto Rock team that there was was the 2005 team, in my opinion, anyways. Um, you had Blaine Manning, Josh Sanders, and Colin Doyle all topped the 100-point mark. The only time it's happened in franchise history this year, looking at the offense. And, of course, remembering that that was done in a 16-game season. We have 18. Only five guys topped the 100-point mark last year overall in the league. But my question to you, KD, will the Toronto Rock have three or more 100-point scorers this year? It's a tough call. We've mentioned, you know, how, how talented this offense is, and I th- I'm excited to get to watch them and get going and see what they, you know, I know what they can do um, when they put it all together. But I just simply got to play the numbers here and, and play the odds. You mentioned it's happened once in franchise history. Last year, would you say there were six 100-point guys in the league, five 100-point guys in the whole league? 
you know, I, j- I just got to play the odds, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sell on that. I think people could. I think we could have come really close. Um, but you know, say there's f- even six next year for us to have three of them. It just seems, you know, like a lot. But uh, for all indications, Toronto Rock fans, I hope so because that would be one high flying <laughs> offense. <laughs> all right. So as a spinoff to that, and I didn't have this on our original script, but I'm gonna sub this one in. When we're talking about production, and we've talked about this guy quite a bit here in this segment, Brett Hickey, he has one 50-goal season in him, a 45-goal season in him last year when he missed a game. Are you buying or selling Brett Hickey scores 50 goals this year? Oh, God. And this becomes tough, and I know immediately I know what you're struggling with is that there are a lot of offensive weapons on this team, and is he going to get the same number of shots? Purely, right? For like, sure. Is he going to have the same number of opportunities he has had in the last couple of years? For sure, and and that for that very reason, I'm going to say he doesn't hit 50. I think he comes in to 42, 50. Um, you know, I know last year Schreiber was there. Schreiber Hickey. You know, there's you know Phil got up there. Littner was up there, um, and whatnot. I just feel feel Brett had a little bit more opportunity to to let him hum. Not that he's not going to get his his looks this year. He's a great player, and the great players are always going to find their looks, but I just feel you slide Robbie in there, you slide Jonesy in there, like we said, and Jamie mentioned, it's going to be an unselfish group. I think that ball's going to hum around well, and you just might not get it as much as as you've been accustomed to, but knowing him, he's still going to bury his goals. He's still going to get his looks, but... Fifty uh, is a little a little tough for me again. He's, it's only happened once in his career. Again, playing just playing the odds. Nothing against uh, you know what what his potential is, but I'm gonna have to sell that one as well. And only once in Toronto Rock franchise history. So again, the numbers are <laughs> just backing me up here. <laughs> All right. So and then lastly on the buying or selling marketplace here, all Canadian teams will make the NLL playoffs. Buying or selling? So Toronto, Sask, Calgary, Vancouver. Correct. All of those places are in Canada, yes. In honor of our friend, or not friend, but uh, Jen Hedger, I am sealed on that. So you're buying it? I'm buying that, sorry, yeah. (laughs) All right, yes, I got it. Well, I meant sold on, like, yes, I'm buying that, and... um, the, my reasoning being, I've, Colorado's had some tough injuries to some big guys here uh, early on in the season. Yeah. Defensively, and correct me if I'm wrong, was is Greer on the uh, some li- not active list to start the season yes, as well? Yes. So I, I'm not sure what's going on there, but uh, you know, you take him out, you you throw Coates, Holding, I believe are are both out for the year. Uh, I just feel you know losing, and they didn't make it last year. Right, Vancouver slid in last year. Yep. So you know the team that just squeaked in, uh, losing those injuries, I think it's going to be tough. So I am uh, buying that uh, all the Canadian teams reach the uh, the second season there. The postseason, all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that wraps up our buying or selling segment here on the program, and that will uh, pretty much wrap up the program as well. KD, how are you feeling about podcast number one here? <laughs> it was good. Good to get her out of your belt. A little, a little jittery at times, but uh, we'll clean up as the year goes on. <laughs> All right, that's the way we do it. We're still technically in preseason and training camp here for everyone, for everyone. All right, so that'll about do it for the program here. We have to thank all of our guests on the show here, Brad Cree, Maddie Sawyer, Jamie Dowick, everybody for stopping by. Uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe on iTunes. You can listen to us on SoundCloud through the Rock website. However you like, but uh, hopefully join us each and every week. And if you've got something to say, you can also uh, reach out to us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, however you want to get a hold of us. So that will about wrap up the program. In the meantime and in between time, for Kyle Davis, I'm Mike Hancock saying we will chat next week.